When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Welcome back to Mike Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 289 tonight. Uh, we have an excellent episode in store here. We have uh, Matthew Roberts back on the show. Um, if you don't know who Matthew is, uh, he was stationed on the USS Roosevelt uh, when the gimbal footage came out. Obviously, if you follow our show, you know we've talked a lot about this. But the gimbal footage is one of the three videos that were released when the New York Times article came out. Um, and, uh, he was aboard that he talks a lot about that in the new docu-series that he's in, uh, which is called encounters, uh, and it is on Netflix right now. You can go watch it after you're done watching us talk about it. Um, he also is an author and his book initiated, um, the link is down below. You can go check that out on Amazon. Um, and he's also in our documentary. Uh, our documentary is called As Within, So Without, From UFOs to DMT. Uh, Matthew's in that as well, and he's also been on this show uh, a few times in the past. Oh, and he was on the other podcast that I was doing with Shane and Toby called uh, the Roswell UFO Symposium. So we've talked to Matthew a lot. Welcome back on the show, yes. Matthew. How are you? <laughs> Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Of course. Um, so how did you... Um, who approached you or how did somebody just reach out and say, Hey, I'm interested in having you in this or was it Spielberg himself? I'm sure he doesn't do that, but how did you get <laughs> picked for that documentary? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't really know. I guess, uh, a lot of the, maybe some of the right people read my book and, um, you know, I, I got an invite to, uh, you know, uh, uh, an interview, which they did with me. Um, it was the, I think, but I believe it was the producer, the director. Um, and so we did this interview and then they liked what I had to say and, um, decided to have me on 
the the docu series. And that yeah. was that was so we filmed this back in November, you know, and and the interview that I had took place, you know, it must have been like six or seven months before that. So this has been in the works for like two years plus probably. Um, so, I mean, there, there, I, I know that there's a lot of people who are talking about, well, you know, it's such a coincidence, the timing of this, you know, right after, <laughs> right after Grush comes Whoa. out. Whoa. Right. Yeah. But, but this has been in the works for quite some time and there's no way that anyone foresaw what was going to be happening around this time. Um, so none of that was planned. I mean, it's just, it just happened that way. So I actually really enjoyed encounters. Um, mm-hmm. Having have made our own documentary, especially on this topic, uh, I know how hard it is. And I know um, even if you have something like in your mind and like a certain way you want to present it or whatever, there's always challenges and things to overcome. But I thought it was excellent and they did a great job and they mixed it up too. I mean, they have the aerial school stuff in there, which, um, the only new thing to me was that Dallin, uh, again, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin it, but there's like a guy, he's like a contrarian who's saying that he made it up the aerial school thing and pointed at like a rock and a shiny rock. And all these kids were like, Oh, and it was like a, a psycho, uh, you know, almost like a in the moment type thing. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't, I think it's good to have a little bit of a, when you're making a documentary, you don't want it to make it so objective that it's like, oh, it's only one, you know, one side, one sided. So you do want a little bit of a pushback in there too. So I thought that that's maybe what that, what they were going for with that. But um, but yeah, very well done. Uh, I really enjoyed your parts. You got very emotional, which is understandable. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. How, how did you like the process of dealing with like a professional, um, crew and stuff like that? Uh, you know, it was, it was really easy. Uh, these guys were really easy to work with. I, I mean, since they are professionals, they do this every day, all day long, you know, so it was, kind of old hat to them. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing, you know, but they made sure that, uh, everything was the way it should be, (laughs) you know? Um, yeah. And I was, um, I was actually exhausted a little bit during that shoot because, uh, we, we shot it in London and, um, I flew in the night before, I had been up all night the night before, so I, I went to my hotel and crashed and then got up and shot the documentary, you know, uh, or my portion of it. So it was uh, it was a little bit of a whirlwind, and then I flew right back to the U.S. immediately afterwards. Um, so it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot. It took a lot out of me. Yeah, um, that's interesting that they did that in uh, London too. And I'm just trying to think. So like the first episode has you and there's a couple other, uh, at the Stevensville, um, Texas, you know, sighting phenomenon, um, which 
uh, by the way, I thought it was interesting that it was also the milk capital. Um, and there's this massive amounts of UFOs. And, I, you know, I'm not a big, like, cattle mutilation guy. But if there is something weird going on, like, you know, there's obviously maybe a connection there. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it could be. I don't know. I, 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 I you know, I, I remember in the first episode they were talking about that, you know, the milk and and the Japanese reporters kind of took that it seemed and and latched on to it but um i don't know i don't know if there's anything to that you know maybe interesting um so yeah there's stuff mixed in the second episode's about the aerial school i think the third episode's about some other school or some british sighting i don't really remember that one too much i think it was maybe fading in and out then, but, um, the last one I actually enjoyed too, which was the Japanese one about like Fukushima and the lights over Japan, uh, as well as some of their mythology. And that goes back to some story from like the early 1800s of this thing coming down and like washing ashore. And, um, there's different depictions of this like story and stuff. So I, I found it very interesting. I thought it was really well done. Um, and yeah, I really, I highly recommend it to anybody out there that's interested in the UFO topic. Yeah. And I, I think it's, um, you know, some of these stories are, are well known within people who study this topic, but for people who are just getting into it, who are realizing, whoa, you know, Congress is all of a sudden talking about UFOs, what is going on? You know, this is kind of a, a good introduction to the topic for those people. Yeah. So I think if you, if you gave, if you had said, give me two documentaries that would help explain the UFO phenomenon to somebody that doesn't know what's going on, I would say the phenomenon in this, I think the phenomenon is really good at chronological, you know, going through chronological order of, kind of what's went down and everything like the more important and more um, substantial events. And then this one, I think, shows the human side of it, the experiencer side of it, um, you know, that kind of a thing. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think that, that you're right on with that. Um, oh, uh, Jared just said that the other episode's about Broadhaven. So, yeah, the third one I think is about Broadhaven. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, uh, we haven't talked to, so, uh, you were also in our documentary too, which, um, we really appreciate, obviously you sharing your experiences and time and everything like that, uh, completely different vibe than this documentary. Um, but I think that, um, I don't know. I, th- I think you, did you? Did you watch, not to sound like conceited, but did you watch our documentary, The As Within, So Without? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was a while back, but I, right. did, I did watch it. Uh, did you think, like, because I know we talk a lot, we think a lot of this is related to consciousness. Um, did you think mm-hmm. after watching this Encounters one, do you think people are leaning more towards the consciousness stuff or do you think like based on like what you're seeing out there in the garage and the possible, um, you know, retrieval programs and actual physical UFOs or what, like, do you think that, you know, 
it's this pendulum that swings back when we can't explain something, it goes to consciousness. And when we can, or there's possible actual material, it's material, you know, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you get that vibe too? Well, I, I don't, I don't view those things as mutually exclusive of one another. Uh, I think it can be both. Right. I, I think you can have the physical craft, but then, you know, these beings are more advanced. These non-human intelligences are, are more evolved than we are. Um, and so they're, even though they have physical craft and stuff like that, there's, there's a consciousness component to this. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I really don't think that you can separate the two and say it's one or the other. Um, it can, it can be both of those things. Yeah. You know? I mean, actually the person that connected us, my buddy Lee, um, mm. who was also in the Navy, um, he, in the documentary, he says himself, he goes, if I were to speak on this from what I know, I believe that UFOs are made out of what we call consciousness. Or he says something along those lines. And I know maybe you don't feel exactly the same, or maybe you do, but I know that you have similar um, thoughts on it based on our previous conversations. Right, yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with that. I, there, I would not, I mean, I don't know for certain. I don't know that anyone does, but I, I, I don't see it as an impossibility that these craft could be created through consciousness and also be physical. I, I, I think that that's entirely possible. I, and I, I realize that sounds really <laughs> kind of far fetched and out there, but, um, but I think, I think in, if you're talking about, um, consciousness, you're talking about a model of the universe that is based on, uh, not hard physical sciences, but also meta metaphysics. And you realize that everything is just one thing, right? And, and that's, that's a totally different model of the universe than what you'd learn in school, right? But it's, it's actually the correct one. And so to think about something that's more evolved than us it might have the ability to just go ahead and create a craft with its mind if it feels like it wants to do that, right? And step right into that craft and then crash it on the surface of the earth, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean the, the, these things are not, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 that's totally, totally plausible to me. Yeah. I don't know. It's just such a bizarre thing in general to even think about. And then to, you know, most people are just going through their day too. That's the other thing is when people get aggravated when I see on like UFO Twitter or X or whatever, you know, uh, UFO X. No. Um, it's like you're getting mad at people for just like living their lives. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure um, it's interesting, but it's like, how do we get everybody on board? I think it's, it's just slowly kind of how it's been going, which is this like slow acclimation, like slowly pick up steam, slowly grab more and more people onto the topic. And um, people have been programmed to go about their work lives as opposed to think about the greater mysteries, the greater challenges. You know, at one point when we were ancient people or civilization was new, there was far more time to ponder the stars, think of you know, the Greeks coming up with metaphysics and things like that. So 
we don't that's that's not a luxury anymore unfortunately so i think that that's kind of what we're stuck in is a paradigm that we're trying to kind of get out of i don't know if you have any thoughts on that yeah and i i i don't know that it's that we don't have time like we did in in ancient times i think we waste a lot of time on a lot of things people concern themselves with things uh, and, and busy themselves with things all day long that they don't necessarily need to. Uh, they don't need to concern themselves with, uh, but they do nonetheless. And, um, and people find that that's more comfortable doing that than to be alone with yourself, you know, and kind of, um, I guess what would be the word, I guess, uh, you know, kind of do this self-analysis and, and, and think and ponder things. And, um, people just choose not to do that. Right. They, they grasp at anything. So they, they don't have to, they, they, I got to take the kids to soccer practice. I gotta, you know, um, I don't know, look at X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it now and spend hours a day doing that. Um, when you just don't have to, you know, and, and so I think we waste a lot of our time. I, I think if, if, if you add it all up, we probably have more time than ancient peoples did. Uh, because, you know, they had to do all kinds of physical labor out in fields to keep up crops and, you know, whatnot, but we, we don't have to do any of that, right? We, I should rephrase that. I meant like the, the elites or priest class, because those people have always had the luxury of, you know, letting other people worry about that shit for them. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know, one of the, I think disturbing things about this whole topic is that um, it's been secret, you know, it's been a secret from the public and, I, I've never thought that that was right. Um, and it just, it blows my mind because in my mind, that means that we have, and we have for the past 80 years, had some of the dumbest people that humanity has to offer working on this topic behind closed doors, you know? Um, and that's that blows my mind you know how how is it that how is it that we came to have the dumbest people we have to offer well if you if you compartmentalize stuff science is nearly impossible because you can't reference or peer review or like bounce ideas like as a creative person and, and i'm not a scientist but as a creative person when you're trying to get a project done with a group of people the best ideas come when you're both vibing off of each other. You know, you're both bouncing ideas or spitballing or whatever. So when you don't have that culture, that environment, it makes it nearly impossible, I would think, to make any sort of, you know, progress or, or you know, groundbreaking discoveries. Look at the Manhattan Project. How many people were involved with the Manhattan Project? It was an insane amount of people, and they built a whole city in the desert and those people got that shit done, you know. That was one of our greatest accomplishments. And unfortunately, it also has, you know, a negative side to it. But, um, yeah, I think that 
I've asked that question from like a skeptical standpoint. I know people don't like that, but it's like, where are, where's the UFO Oppenheimer or like, where is the UFO John von Neumann or, you know, who are these people behind the closed doors that have touched these things that are, you know, working on these things. And I think that that's for me, I, I would like to see more for that to be the case. You know, I, it's again, I believe what Grush is saying. I have no reason to doubt him. I just don't, you know, where did he get his information of like, what's the chain? How many people are there till we get to the dude that actually touched the thing? So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's important. We need to hear from the people firsthand that have been working on this. Um, that's going to be very important, but we'll, we'll see if that happens. I, <laughs> I still don't know, you know, I, I, I don't know. I guess we won't know until it in, until that news breaks one day. Um, hopefully it does. What uh, what was your take on those Mexican alien corpses or mummies or whatever? Uh, I think they're bunk, you know. I, I don't know how you feel about them. Oh, we did like two episodes. I had Mike Masters on who... That's his job is to analyze uh-huh. bones, and he said that he could tell from the functionality and the way they're structured and everything. There's no way that a, a organism could like move or do anything uh, meaningful with that structure. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll uh, we'll see. I think I did read something. Was it last week or something before? Where NASA said. Um, I think NASA's going to test the bones now. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've um, i kind of always thought that those mummies were bunk. Um, I, I don't know. I, th- that's just another thing that people in this topic, in, within this topic in, in, in specifically, there are people who also waste their time on junk like that. You know what I mean? Like they, they cling to that and, and none of that matters. You know, let's hear from people who know people who have witnessed something experiencers or, um, people who work in the government on this stuff, you know, um, but don't bother with people who, I mean, there's, uh, you, you just have to look on Twitter. There's so many people on there that you know, have something to say about it, but they don't know anything, right? They've never experienced anything. Uh, They've never really thought about it. Um, They just kind of retweet things. Um, And they have some of the largest followings and they have nothing to add to the topic. (laughs) It's really kind of crazy, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've been preaching that since we started this podcast is to, if you're going to... research fringe or woo things or whatever know what the mainstream is saying so like if you can if you can't have a meaning com a meaningful conversation with like a scientist or a science communicator or somebody with the public and you're claiming to be like an activist like how do you how do you do that do you know what i'm saying so it's important that like you know what you're talking about and you've done research and you understand if you're talking about physics, you understand or have a general grasp of some physics, you know, things like that. So, um, 
yeah, that's something I've been preaching from the beginning is know all sides and people don't want to. And that's fine too. Like if you want to just be entertained or just so, but like when I see people like argue from a place like, oh, I'm right, or this is true, but they've only like watched one YouTube video, like you're saying, or whatever, you know, like that's a problem. And that's kind of the world that we're living in right now is there's all this heuristic rhetoric out there. So. Yeah. And you know, and then there's, um, I don't know, people who are debunkers. I mean, if I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have anything for that. Right. I mean, if you, think that there's nothing to this topic after everything that's come out after grush after the congressional hearings after the senate bill with the schumer language talking about non-human intelligence like are you are you serious like you still are not believing this like (laughs) you know what i mean like uh, some people think that the world is flat I mean, I, and, and what do you do with that? I, I can't even, I can't even have a debate with someone like that because it's like, that's just not what's happening here. Yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> I was talking about this last episode on a completely different topic. I, we had met, uh, Palomarion, um, who goes down to the jungle and has these ayahuasca experiences. And, you know, we were talking about like people from, you know, those communities are people that are spreading in like weird information out there that's obviously wrong. And he's just, you know, we came to the conclusion for at least fl- like for me, it's like frustrating. I want to step in and want to say, no, this is right or this is the right way. But at the end of the day, that person's probably not going to listen to me. Kind of it's up to them. And there's going to be a ton of people throughout time. Yeah. And there have been, I'm sure, that never come to those real- realizations or never come to those. Uh, conclusions, whatever, you know, they're looking to get out of it. But on the other end, it's like, instead of stepping in and saying something, I'm just going to like promote what I like or what I think is better or positivity and, and, and right. try and work through. Cause that, I mean, that's all I can do. Right. I mean, we're just, mm-hmm. we don't have that much power, unfortunately in that regard. Yeah. And I, I think that that's probably the best route to go. I mean, I, I don't really, I've seen people posting negative things, you know, about <laughs> me even. And I just, I could sit around and respond to those things all day long, but I've just got better shit to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just, I I really don't care. Um, because I, I feel like if, if, if after everything that has happened, you still insist that you're not going to believe any of this, like, I, I don't know what, I, I don't know what else to do for you. You know, I mean, it's, and I think uh, something that people are missing here is that politicians are a really good litmus test for this, right? Because they are so sensitive to looking bad or uh, looking like a, uh, an idiot in front of their constituency that if, if they're talking about this, I mean, they're bad at the end result, but go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they they they're so worried about their appearance to the point that you know you had like that whole Dukakis thing with the helmet. They're 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 really really concerned about appearance, and so if they're saying these things, um, they must know something more than than what most of the rest of us have seen. You know, um, 
And yeah, so I, mean, I think for me, I, I hate the political angle of it because I just right. There's a whole dirtiness behind that. I feel like any everybody in those positions have done something dirty to get there. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah. There's a lot of integrity lost in that process. It's not like a commander favor favor or you or somebody that's served this country. You know what I'm saying? Like, not that. Yeah. It's just it's a different vibe. It, they're serving, but it's not. I don't know. Self-serving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I I think that, um, but, but but that's what I mean. Like, these people are so careful, and yet they're talking about this. So they they must know that this is this is coming, right? Because they know they're not going to end up, um, you know, holding uh, this empty idea at the end of the day that makes them look like an idiot that, you know, they, they know there's more to it. Um, and certainly there is. Are you still, do you ever, has anybody reached out to you? Or are you in contact with anybody that has to do with any of this momentum within the government or no, have you kind of just stayed away? No, uh, -uh. I, I have not been in contact with anyone. I mean, I, there's a lot of people that think that, you know, we're, that anybody who has anything to say about this that used to work in the government that we're somehow, you know, in cahoots and maybe we have like secret meetings or something. And I, I don't know any of those people, you know, like I don't, I don't sit around and talk to them all day. I don't plan things with them. Uh, I, I just do what I do, you know, and that's, that's all I can do. Well, if anything, that's that's a um, I think that that's a strike for the side of it being legit because it's like there's not just you and not just a couple of people. There's like a lot of military people. There's a lot of people that have experienced these things, seen these things. Um, so I think in that regard, it's like, well, it's not like this little group of just a couple people. It's a lot of in for in in that. So when we were making, I don't know how I want to say it, but like when we were making the documentary as within, so without, you know, I I had, I wanted to go through some extreme Cartesian doubt before I made it to like, what would this be if it was completely fake? And it would have to be some sort of a mind virus where everybody is stuck on this thing, this idea, almost like a God, but not God kind of a thing. And I just came to the conclusion I don't buy it because that doesn't explain these actual experiences, these physical experiences, or people seeing these crazy lights or having these mystical experiences associated with it. So it just doesn't make sense that nothing's going on or that it's just some sort of flaw in our brains or memory or something. So yeah, I, there's something going on. You, at very least, you have to admit that something is going on. And if you can't admit that, then you obviously believe that we're just some very, very flawed biological android type being or something. I don't know. Yeah, and I certainly in my own experiences, there was a whole like kind of complex like story arc to the whole thing. You know what I mean? Um, that uh, that I was put through to to some end, 
right? <clears throat> and so if you, if it, like you said, if if this was some kind of virus or uh, there wasn't much of anything there, then um, it just doesn't make sense that way, you know. And and I will point out too that it's the same thing with near death experiences, right? Uh, if you're if you're talking about a near death experience and that being pleasant if if in terms of like the way we currently understand evolution and the evolutionary process that would never be something that is cause for selection right because you're dead you're dying you're in the process of dying so there's no more offspring after that so how would how would that process have been selected in natural selection if it wasn't just a natural thing you know does, does that make sense no i mean it does from the standpoint of we've had lots of people you know even some of that's even in the documentary too where you have andrew gallimore talking about like maybe like a chemical gateway or something along those lines that's been something we've talked about a lot with like even rick strassman like could there be some sort of chemical gateway to some other dimension or realm or maybe consciousness survives in some manner or something like that? And, um, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that that could be the case. Um, it just makes sense that to me that when you're, these people are talking about like life reviews and I've done a lot of research on near death experiences and there is a lot of weird stuff. Um, they're even coming up with experiments. So one of the experiment, experiments is they put like these marks up high on the wall. So if somebody's going, they know somebody's having major surgery and it's potential that they could go into a cardiac arrest and have a near-death experience. They've had a few of those where they asked the person if they could see the card, meaning that if they're, because they talk about floating above their bodies, if they could see, you know what I'm saying? So like there's experiments yeah. they're setting up to see if if it's possible to verify kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, and that that's really interesting stuff, and it's worth doing. Um, and and really, when you start when the, when the proof starts to come in of that kind of thing, that uh, you know that that's a game changer. You know, there's no such thing as death in that sense. So, so then what? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know? aliens, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so. Um, I just, I wonder, wh what do you think the next thing, do you think more whistleblowers are coming? Do you think, um, more is coming from Grush? Like, do you have any, um, predictions based on stuff you've been seeing or anything? Uh, I don't really, I mean, I, I think that probably maybe we'll end up with some of these, uh, you know, 40 or so people that we've been hearing about, maybe one of them is going to come forward. That would be my hope, uh, is that we'll see more of those guys come forward. Um, but I don't, I don't know all, cause ultimately, ultimately at the end of the day, it's up to them, you know, whether or not they want to come out of the shadows and into the public light. Um, I mean, coming out into the public and saying things like this, you certainly don't have anything to gain, you know, but you have a lot to lose. You can lose your clearance, you can lose your livelihood, um, and maybe 
post that you'll have some difficulty finding jobs. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, it's a difficult decision for someone to have to make. Um, so, but I, but I hope, I hope so. I, I hope that there's at least someone or, uh, or at least a couple of people that can do the right thing, you know? Yeah. And, I don't know. I've gone back and forth on this. Again, I think it's entirely possible that that is the case. But what if, you know, I was trying to think too, like, well, what if it's not? What does that mean? So could this be some sort of deterrent against other countries that are maybe making significant technological advances? Uh, Maybe we do have stuff and maybe we have black tech that can just smoke everybody, but we don't, you know, but like people saying that like China has this already or Russia or whatever, why wouldn't they use it? Why, why aren't they using it right now? They're just throwing lives away in, in, you know, in the war for no reason. You know, like, that doesn't make any sense to me either. Like, this idea that we're not the only ones and all these other countries have it. I just, I believe if there are craft, I believe we've got it. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if China's got some stuff. I mean... uh uh, that well, China and Russia them. alone as like a, an actual like land mass yeah. is bigger. So like if things are just crashing, then yes, from that standpoint. But for whatever reason, we're the ones, we're the the light bearers on this topic, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I I think that that's because a lot of other smaller countries probably um, they don't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? Like they've got this now nuclear mess or whatever it is, who knows, you know, sitting in their country and they just want it out of there, you know, because they don't, they don't want to have to deal with the contamination, whatever the hell that means. They don't, they don't even know what they're looking at. You know what I mean? So I see how the U.S. could be um, a world leader in those terms, but I could also see how China uh, could also do that these days. Maybe not so much in the past, but uh, certainly recently, um, they've they've really got their stuff together militarily, and uh, and so it seems like they they would have some capacity to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I just I don't know why, but lately, like the last five to 10 years, I feel like we're just been asleep at the wheel kind of a thing. And just assuming that everything's going to go along like it did for us throughout most of our history, which again is not great and full of war, uh, 270 out of however many years we've been a country or something like that. We've been at war or something along those lines. Um, and again, it's just like, somebody's kind of has to do it though uh unfortunately because you know people are people get crazy out there people have different ideas of of uh <laughs> wanting to take over other people and things of that, mm-hmm. that nature so um there's no good way to go about it and i know that we look like the the bad guys sometimes but again it's just like it's like the nuclear when we you know created the atomic bomb there needed to be as much as the the commission's kind of screwed over Oppenheimer, there needed to be, he's the one that kind of conceived of that idea. So I would assume that 
let's just say that this tech does get re revealed at some point, there's probably going to be some sort of commission along those lines that would oversee these things if there can be harmful or different aspects of it, that kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure they already know that if if that is the case. I mean, they, they know what what's harmful, what's not. Um, I mean, you, you'd think it would be impossible that they wouldn't know, you know, after having had them for 80 years in their possession, that they wouldn't know a thing or two about it by now. Um, and, and, you know, I, one of the things that bothers me, though, too, is that, you know, you think about the numbers we probably have of people working on this, and it would probably be very small you know, very compartmentalized. Um, but then you think about someplace like China, right, with their massive population and, and the fact that they are not a democracy. Um, and they could have a million people working on this, you know, behind closed doors. And if you talk, we'll just kill you. Yeah, you know, they, I was just going to say, they don't have to worry about that. Like, we right, probably exactly. have more of a conscience about, or hopefully we do, you know, I don't know. But, you yeah, know uh, I guess it's debatable from what I'm, <laughs> from, what, from what I'm hearing, you know, but, um, but yeah, so I think that it, that's a little concerning that, you know, China could have just a massive amount of people working on this and, and, and here we are you know in the but dark, in all fairness like they steal they take it. most of their shit from other people like a lot yeah. of you know intellectual uh stuff has been you know ripped off so mm -hmm. but i mean i get your point and i agree with you uh but i just you know i don't know we'll have to see you on that one um your new book, you, I know you said you're not close, called Master of, or your working titles, Master of Animals. Will you, can you give us just a, like a little bit on kind of what that's about or the, the backstory of it? Uh, Without yeah, like so ruining anything. It's basically, um, oh, it's really hard to describe. Um, and it's, it's very complex, but it's about civilization building and the psychology that goes into that. And, um, and kind of how we don't really know how to do that as a human race, you know, and, and, and that's kind of evidenced by the fact that you look through the pages of history and you see civilization collapse after civilization collapse after civilization collapse, dating all the way back to, you know, early humans. Uh, and so uh, that's kind of what it's about, the psychology of doing that. Um, but uh, that, that's also the psychology that incidentally will put you in touch with the phenomenon in my mind anyway, because that was the path that I was led down, right? I wanted to know why this happened to me. And so this is what I came up with as a result of that. Um, the dreams that I had, the books I was told to read you know, all led me to this kind of neo-Jungian psychology. And, uh, and the master of animals is just uh, this ancient motif, right, that, that was popular throughout the world. 
and it's some deity or a, a, a hero standing in the center holding two beasts at bay on either side of them. And that this, I, I describe this as being just symbolic of a manicured, properly manicured human mind, if that makes sense. And, and so that that's what the book is about. Yeah. How to become how to become the master of animals. That's interesting. Have you ever um read the bicameral mind? No, uh uh-uh. uh. You should check that out. It's pretty interesting. The basic uh-huh. hypothesis um um is that at one point when our consciousness was evolving that we had one uh side of our brain which was the human and then the other side which was God. Um, and the God would kind of be like the, the authority. So like if the human was thinking something, you'd have the, the God, like make the final call or decision on it, kind of a thing. But then, you know, there's a unification of the brain at, at, at certain point too, which kind of, now you have your modern humans, but that's kind of the, what's the guy's name? Is it Julia, Julian James, Julius James? Let me, I have the, uh. I think I have the audible here popped up on my thing. Um, but it's super interesting. I mean, I'm we're going to do an episode about it at some point, but uh, let me see here. Okay, yeah, it's called The Origin of Consciousness in the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind by Julian Jaynes, and he was a psychologist in the, uh, the 60s. Um, and, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like I. I'm a hundred percent sold on it, but it, you know, I like interesting things and possible origin stories and things like that. So it's it's a good yeah. book for that. Yeah, and I it does kind of. I mean, the idea of like bicameral mind does kind of ring true to kind of what I'm talking about because you have. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a neo Jungian idea that came up that was conceived of by this guy, Dr. Robert Moore, right? He says that, you know, what, what Jungian psychology calls archetypes, you can just think of them as psychological lines of development, right? And they, they are hardwired in the subconscious and they're constantly pressing for wholeness with you consciously. But if, if you approach those as an extrovert, you will take those energies and you'll, paint the world with them right and and you'll you'll put those qualities of those archetypes onto other people places things um and and these these forces within the psyche are destructive by nature right because they want to destroy anything that doesn't resemble itself and so if you if you internalize that right and you become those things then you're you're lining up with it and and that's where you kind of connect with higher consciousness but if you externalize it and you you put it all in the world out there you become a destructive force in the world right that's why this is this is at its core this is why when you hate someone um why you hate them because you you want to destroy that person because they are not like you you know or or their their thought process or processes are not like your own and and so you seek to destroy that 
because you're extroverting this energy rather than yeah it's a hard one to break i see people comment on my shit all the time i'm like i want to destroy this person (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah yeah but it's 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 very powerful stuff if you understand it um and uh and the things, and I, and I really do think that this is where uh, your ability to do this um, is really where kind of psychic ability comes from. If, if you're really good at doing this, then then your connections with the collective subconscious are going to be stronger and uh, you'll be a better psychic or medium or whatever it is because uh, you'll be able to connect with that that aspect of what is also real about the universe that other people can't see. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, you know, I think that when you look, have you read Young's book on uh, UFOs? It's his last uh, book. I, I tried to, I couldn't get through it. Honestly. Uh, have you read it? I've read it. And there's also a decent breakdown. Um, I'll try and find the link. If I can find the link, I'll add it below. But yeah, he kind of leaves it like ambiguous. Like it's not real, but it's not not real. That it holds a symbol for something. It's like a placeholder for something that we can't conceive of yet or something along those lines. It's kind of the impression that I got. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I th- I think that Jung was he was on the right track because he understood that the phenomenon speaks in symbols, right? But it but it does that because for the extrovert you end up chasing symbols of something rather than the real thing itself, um, and so that's why that's why it's speaking to you in symbols because that's what you understand about reality are the symbols, right? So. So it shows you those things. Um, And people misinterpret that all the time. But those things do have deeper meaning um, and a real meaning within the human psyche. And that's that's the whole as above, so below, right? Um, You have something in the physical world that manifests as a certain thing, right? But it has a symbolic meaning as well that has real meaning on the mental plane. And so that's, that's as above, so below. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. I think that when we look at this stuff, I wish more people got into the concepts of the mind and philosophy of the mind and in relation to, cause like, if you look at, and I did an episode on this, I forget, I think it's called Mysteries and Metaphysics, something, five point, I don't know, I'd have to go back, but we did a, a, so I went back to like, where did the idea of a flying saucer or an alien come from? And I went back all the way back, and you can trace it all the way back to like, um, uh, an ex enemy's idea of like a floating earth, and then build off of that, and, and then you be, get all these ideas that lead to where we're have this like physical model of our, at least our solar system. And then you build off that. And then there's people writing about an ancient text, like, 
you know, bird people that live on this planet or blah, 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 blah. You know, like, so I went through and showed that there is like a causal line of consciousness and thinking that like, let the, like you watch the evolution. So it's not like one day somebody just saw it and knew what it was. And that's kind of what the Jungian thing is, is like this thing's been a different symbols throughout different points in time for whatever it means for those people kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, and I'm, I'm yeah, not even necessarily saying from like an ancient alien standpoint or anything like that either, but yeah, and the, the I mean the thing that really bothers me about the the ancient aliens thing is that a lot of them have this theory that it's just that we we kind of observe their tech and that that is what made us think that they were gods or whatever, but but really it it's 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 much deeper than that. It's, it's the fact that when you interact with them, you get exposed to more of what is real about the universe. And that could include what some people would call God or consciousness or whatever. And so it wasn't that we just saw that they were more technologically advanced and decided, Oh, let's worship them. They're gods. You know, that's not, that's not how this happened. (laughs) So I don't think we gave you a little bit of your background, but you're so just because we're, we're we're talking about some stuff, you know, like the mind and some things that are out there. But you come from kind of, a, you know, your dad, I think, was a physicist, correct? And you grew up in yeah, kind of he, like a materialist household or. Oh, yeah, yeah. They my parents both had degrees in, you know, STEM degrees type things. They were very uh materialistic science type people um but you know they 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 also liked uh the arts you know um but but uh, you know i i didn't come from a background where we went to church or believed in any kind of higher power uh that certainly was not a part of my upbringing um so i i mean I, I, I wasn't seeing within this experience what I wanted to see. You know what I mean? I wasn't someone who was religious at all. So I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I have a bone. You didn't have that like coloring that. So like, that's a hot debate within the psychedelic community and also the UFO. It's like passport to Magonia are these things putting on different masks to interface with people or in the psychedelic realm are these things taking on jesters and jokers and to like interplay with or aliens to interplay with us. So it's like, that's the hot debate is like, do those preconceived notions or symbols or whatever we think of is that if, are they using that to communicate or is that just our own psyche projecting? I think that's the the big debate. Yeah. And I, my answer to that would be that it's, it's not that they're, it's not our own psyche doing that. That's, that's, that's the way they communicate with us is through these types of symbols. Cause that, that was immediately apparent to me in my experiences that they were just dripping with, uh, religious symbolism, you know? And, um, and I, I didn't understand that. I have no, I had no context in which to put that right. Having never been to church, never listened to a priest talk, uh, none of that you know so i i was like well why all this religious symbolism what the hell is going on here you know but uh 
but it, you know, it, it just turns out that I think that a lot of the way that they've communicated has been built into human religion. And that's why you see the same kinds of symbolism in both, uh, because they influence that, obviously, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, we certainly, it could be a combination of things, right? It could be what we're interpreting through the experience mixed with our own creativity and understanding and perceptions, right? You know, it's kind of almost like a, a collaboration or something. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I could see that, I guess. Um, maybe a little bit, yeah. Because, I mean, they, they need to show you what they need to show you specifically, right? It's an individual experience. So uh, there may be symbols that they use with you that are different than they might use with someone else. But, but you know, I, I you think about this whole consciousness as, aspect and this stuff that I ran into and you see that there were uh, the Homo Naledi, for instance, that were burying their dead in caves with grave goods, right? Um, that's another net Netflix show to watch. These, well, these... We did a whole episode breakdown on that one as well. Yeah, and I mean, it's, so in order to have some kind of conceptualization that there's something beyond death, you must have a spoken language of course, uh, and a complex spoken language that can handle that kind of nuance, right? So I, I, the Homo Naledi were much more complex, I think, than people give them credit for. They weren't just monkeys running around in caves, you know? Uh, and, and they were, of course, doing that, you know, 200,000 years before humans, Homo sapiens, were doing that. So you have to look at that and say, well, what are, what are people talking about with religion here? What, what are they seeing? Because there's something there for it to have, it predates humanity even. We have evidence of that now, you know? And so it's like, well, what, what is this? And, and people need to take a look well, that's, at that. I think. That's the shocking thing too for even like Lee Berger and his team was that these these hominins had the brain the size of a chimpanzee but possibly were had symbolism carving on the rocks uh burial rituals plant you know and even with you know the one child that they kind of plastered and took out as a whole thing had the hand axe or the tool in its hand still um somebody either placed it there which is what they were hypothesizing or um you know other people say oh they got murdered there or they were placed there by humans or whatever so it's like you know, the opposition, and when we had Mike Masters on, I asked him, you know, like he gave, he laid out like what a couple of the opposition points of view from like a paleo uh, or anthropological standpoint would be. And it, some of them do make sense, but it's like, that's why you got to do like extra, you know, testing and yeah. science. So, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, to your point, I agree. I think that that's watching that docu- documentary shook up my idea of metaphysics because I know where you stand. I have a little bit of a different take. I think entheogens and psychoactive compounds played a large role in our idea of these metaphysics and metaphysical, um, you know, uh, spaces, if you will, or realms. And 
the, that's still possible. Obviously, these things have been growing uh, on our planet forever, and they could have been taking them. But just my idea that culture and civilization was kind of the, the intro to that got definitely got shook up. So now it's like now we're thinking about not even Homo sapiens sapiens possibly coming up with the idea of metaphysics or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's mind blowing when you think about it, because with all of these, you know, cultures worldwide, and then now even not even humans are coming up with this, uh, you know, what does all that mean? I think people really need to really need to think about that, you know, um, rather than just dismissing religion i and i was guilty of that right i i just dismissed it out of hand and said well it's all it's all horseshit you know there's nothing here but then when you start to look at the history of it and you see how long it's been going on um if it's just a lie just a lie how how does it have legs that you know span hundreds of thousands of years you know it's just it's incredible um and so you need you really kind of step back and you're like, well, what are people talking about? I, it may not be it, it may not be like the Bible. You can take it at face value, but there there's something there, right? And and we need to get to the bottom of that. Yeah, I mean the Bible. I mean I've said this from the beginning too. Like the people that like look at the Bible and, and swear by it word for word. Like, do you know who wrote it? Do you know when they wrote it? Like even Paul, who's writing about Jesus, it was like 40 years after Jesus died. He didn't know Jesus, you know? Like, so like yeah. the, the stuff you have to kind of really, really look into at the origin. I'm fascinated with origin stories. It's taught me so much about so many different topics is looking at the origin and going back to the root. Where did this idea come from? And again, the idea of aliens and, um, UFOs has a very terrestrial origin of us reflecting on the sky. However, you look at the stories and the mythologies, and there's obviously, like I said before, some sort of collaboration of something happening between humans and this this other thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Where do you... So you talk about your experience in encounters. Um, you get a little emotional. You've talked about it on the show. We don't have to, to go back and go through the whole thing, but you had a lot of episodes in the night where you were woken up and this, this woman being, you know, kind of got physical with you, um, in lesser words. Um, does that stuff still happen? Is that something that's like currently still happening or is that just was kind of like, at the time kind of a thing or no, it was, uh, it was, it just happened, uh, that once that particular experience just happened that once and it's never happened again. Um, but, uh, you know, even, even the reason for that experience is very complex and, uh, and, and, and people, I don't even know that I could describe it to people and have them understand it. Um, but uh but there's there's a reason for all of it you know and uh and i don't still have like these terrifying uh visits anymore you know the the ending of the whole experience they let me know 
hey, you, you've reached the end, right, of this initiation, and this is it. And um, so I, I do see things here and there, you know, like I'll wake up to a shadow person or something like that, and they just kind of dissolve. Um, but but that, that's that's about the extent of it. Nothing, nothing crazy like it was uh, during the process. What do you and, think and about? So, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I I mean, there are a lot of people that you know want to say, oh, I I think he, I hope he's all right, you know, and I hope he's reached some kind of being okay with this. And I have. I mean, I'm I'm totally okay with it. I I I get it. I don't I don't dwell on it. I don't. Uh, and I don't have those kinds of experiences anymore. So it, it doesn't haunt me. And I know that, it, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who are experiencers that, you know, they don't, they don't quite, uh, you know, like matriculate things correctly in the mind during this process. And so it just drags on for sometimes decades, you know, and they're, they're, live in a nightmare for decades. Um, but that was not the case with me at all. They let me know that that was it. That's, that's, as do you think that that might have to do with like picking up on what's going on and like the ability to like perceive that something weird is going on? Like maybe some people constantly have that cause they just think like, Oh, it's just this or it's just that, or I'm scared or whatever. Um, kind of a thing as opposed to being aware, like, something weird's happening or interacting with my consciousness and I'm going to confront this thing or figure it out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, it is, like I said, all about the consciousness, but within the process, you've got to give up things, right? I, you're, you're probably familiar with like Anana's descent into the underworld, right? I think it's a Sumerian myth. She arrives at the gates of hell, you know, and she's, clothed in her finest clothing with her finest jewelry and then as she proceeds down to hell you know she has to pass all these gates and she has to remove an article of clothing and leave it there uh until finally she stands naked in hell for judgment you know and and so you know the people throughout this process they have these ideas that they cling to right and they just won't give it up and so it it drags on uh because you ha like i said you have to resemble these structures in the subconscious you could call that god right and and if you're if you're thinking about something like fear right you've got to give that up because if you are the creator of the universe you don't fear any portion of your creation so in order to be like that and to um and to finish this process and connect with it you have to also not have any fear uh but people will cling to that in this process and just never give it up you know yeah i know our mutual buddy uh lee who's been on the show he was having sleep paralysis with these entities and they were attacking him every night and then finally, he's like, I confronted him one night and I swallowed the entity like into my being. He's like, and ever since then, I haven't had sleep terror, sleep 
paralysis, whatever. Um, so I find that interesting, right? Like this idea of like taking on your fears or engulfing them, even if it's on a psychological level, like the ability to do that is, is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, and, and on the psychological level, it would be integration, right? right? Which would be the same as like ingesting it, which would be like a totally symbolic, uh, thing, right? Once again, the symbols, right? What's your take on like sleep, sleep paralysis as a possible like mechanism for these contacts happening? Meaning like some people will write it off as sleep paralysis, but we don't even really have, we don't really understand fully what happens during sleep or what consciousness is, things like that. Um, so in the sleep state, there's even been some that suggest we have endogenous chemicals coursing through our veins. Like what about like if, Obviously, in our documentary from UFOs to DMT, could this be a chemical gateway? Same thing. Like, could that be some sort of state in which people get in where they can interact with whatever this other thing is? Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, because, you know, without that conscious connection, you die. And so you have to sleep, right? You have to sleep to connect with it. And when you plug in while you're sleeping, that's when it comes through. You know, that's, and that's, and I think that's why most people experience these things at night, you know, when they're, when they're asleep. Cause, and I've certainly had this, like that, that time between asleep and awake where you can kind of pull things out of there and, and take it with you. Uh, not, not physically, of course, but I'm talking about like ideas or, um, you know, like I, I would hear a voice that would, yeah, give like hypnagogic zone, like where you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you can pull things from that realm in that state of sleep between asleep and awake. And I, to me, that's very interesting. I am fascinated by that. Yeah, no, I, I find it fascinating as well. Um, well, somebody has a quote, let's see here. So, Chase. Chase wants to know, so aliens uh, are responsible for religion. What part did humans play in the formation then? I, you know, I don't know that the aliens are so much responsible for religion as humans are. Like they just, these are the stories that they would tell uh, that kind of encapsulate these ideas, you know, um, I don't know. So I, I don't think that that was, that was necessarily uh, the non-human intelligence that was telling us to do that so much as we just did that on our own, right? We, we had to come up with some kind of system um, that we could put in place to kind of begin to describe things and classify things just as humans have always done, right? That, 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 yeah, that I, think probably... I think our part was the whole thing except for the inspiration, Right, or, yeah. or the initiation or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the original experiences, but, but we made up the stories to go along with that using the same symbols we would see in the dream world or uh, during, you know, uh, ritualistic type experiences where you take ayahuasca or whatever the hallucinogen happens to be. I don't even like the word hallucinogen because I don't think... I don't really think you're hallucinating anything. I is that something just... you've ever considered is possibly a psychedelic experience? Uh, 
you know, I have considered it. I've thought about it, but I I don't know. At the same time, I know that there there was a guy I know who who has done those things like mushrooms and stuff like that. And he said he told me that um some people just won't experience anything when they take it. Right? And and it'll just uh, be like I mean it depends. I would say this. Um so like first of all, I mean I know a lot about this, but if you if you're on an SSRI or some sort of medication, that would dampen the experience. So if you're on an SSRI, since it is a serotonergic um you know, it plays off your serotonergic receptors that that would have it. So you would t- have to like, for instance, if you're taking an SSRI and you take psilocybin, you would, it would, you would need more to, to get there because of that. Um, but for, to say nothing's going to happen, I've, I would be hard pressed for, to find somebody to take, you know, uh, three or 400 milligrams of MDMA, which is a lot, or five grams of psilocybin and not experience anything. That would be crazy to me if people, and maybe that does exist, but I would say this for, for psychedelics, it's not like a psychosomatic thing or like some sort of, you got to be in the right, it's not like weed where I have heard stories and maybe even have experienced this myself in the early days of smoking cannabis where you smoke and you don't really feel anything. And then like the second or third time it really comes on kind of a thing. That's not the case with this. (laughs) If you take these, these compounds, you're going in. Um, But I mean, there, look, there's a risk with anything. The risk wouldn't necessarily be that it would be that, um, Maybe you're borderline schizophrenic. Maybe you have a history of mental illness or something like that. Maybe, you know, you yourself have an issue with psychosis. So those would be the things that I would, you know, be worried about if, if, if I were considering it. Uh, but other than that, I don't think you have anything to worry about. And I mean, you know, now there's a lot of places that are coming around with legalities and there's a lot more comfortable places in medical environments and things like that, if that's what you're worried about. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's, it's, it's not something I would recommend everybody do, but if you're interested in it and, um, you know, your mental health and your physical health are somewhat there, I don't see why it would be, um, an issue like that. Right. And I, I, you know, I had all these experiences without the use of drugs, obviously, because I was in, in the military, I got drug tested all the time. So there was none of that. Um, and so I, I'm not intimidated by, you know, possibly seeing something or whatever, but I, I, I will say that if I did do it, um, I would do it with caution and with reverence you know because these are these are these are religious compounds these are spiritual compounds they're not it's not something to take at a party because you think it'd be neat yeah as you should right yeah i mean you should should, really approach this with care you know yeah yeah absolutely um I think, um, yeah, again, I don't recommend everybody do these things. If you like exploring your mind, though, and, you know, I, I do think it is one of the only, the, the thing the, that I find most interesting about psychedelics is that it's the only way to alter your consciousness and also be in a waking state and interface with the world around you. So, like, 
sleeping, lucid dreaming, meditation, you know, like all those other ones require you to be kind of incapacitated. And this one allows you to interact, you know, with the animation of things around you. So yeah, man. Uh, well, if you ever have any questions, let me know. Cause I'd be glad to either point you in the right direction of a professional uh, place or people that, you know, are, you know, in your area of, of the, uh, the country. So, um, but yeah, let's start to wrap it up here. Um, is there anything, um, you have on your mind regarding the UFO or UAP stuff coming up, or you're just kind of watching like everybody else? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm watching like everybody else and hoping for the best and hoping for disclosure. Finally, you know, it's, it's been a long time coming. It's about time. It's time to stop lying about this. Absolutely. Um, and as always, we'll keep an eye on this and we'll just keep, you know, I'm, I've always been kind of a watcher. I'm not a full participator in rhetoric one way or the other. Um, I find it very interesting. I think it definitely plays into what I'm interested in, which is kind of like the bigger picture of things and metaphysics and stuff like that. So, um, I'm trying not to be judgmental. It's hard, you know, sometimes something new comes out and you're oh, and you're like, yeah, this looks, you know, or whatever it is. And I try not to feed into that one way or the other and just kind of, you know, incorporate whatever I learn, kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, another thing that I, I think we need to watch out for is just that nobody has a perfect past, right? Nobody has a pristine perfect past and so if you're if you're looking at some of these whistleblowers and maybe they've things that they regret uh don't hold it against them because nobody's perfect nobody right (laughs) that kind of reminds me because you were talking about like maybe like the with all the grush stuff with smoking oh, weed, yeah. like what there's this episode. I don't know if you've ever watched the show Entourage, but back in the day, there's an episode of Entourage where turtles uh, participating in this like Xbox tournament, and Vince convinces them that there's going to be a drug test, and Turtle smokes weed like all day long. So he shows up, and they they show up to the tournament. He's like, "All right, I'm here for the drug test. Where do I pee?" And the lady's like, "This is Xbox loser. If we drug tested people, there'd be nobody to compete in this thing, you know." So, um, yeah, it's kind of one of those things, right? So, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just got to keep an eye on it, and, and uh, yeah, I like our conversations. I like your take on it, definitely. I highly recommend people check out Matthew's book, Initiated. Um, and more importantly, if you have Netflix, just go pop on Netflix and watch Encounters. It's a really, really well made docu series. Do you know? Do you know if there's going to be uh, um, a season two of it? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. I saw uh, Diana Pasolka tweet the other day, like asking, "Will there be a season two?" Question mark. So I don't. I don't know if she knows something. I have no idea. Oh yeah, she was in the second or third episode. I think. I don't yeah. know. She was yeah, in it she... for like. She was in it for a couple minutes, I think. Yeah, but she was she was a consultant on that, so. Um... I mean, she would certainly know more than I would. Okay, cool. So I think if you'll hear anything, you'll probably hear it from her first. Okay, sounds good. Well, yeah, we'll have to look for that. And uh, yeah, go check that out on Netflix. There's four episodes on there. The first one is the one that has Matt in it, and he's kind of, he's in it. 
you know, in the very beginning, and then he's kind of scattered throughout the rest of it uh, as it's sprinkled in with, like, the Stevensville, Texas UFO stuff. So, um, yeah, link down below for Initiated. Go check out the documentary. You can also see Matthew in our documentary, uh, As Within, So Without, From UFOs to DMT. Uh, I have the link down below. Click the link tree. All the links are in there. We do have an extended version, a director's cut on our Patreon as well for $7.77, as well as a bunch of other exclusive episodes and material on there. Matthew's been on the show a few times before. I will have those links below as uh, always. And uh, I'm just trying to think, giving a shout out uh, a few heady artists out there. I've been highlighting different artists on Instagram. You can check out... Um, Don Rob underscore glass. Um, who else do we got here? As always, Adam at ambient underscore glass. Um, who else do we got here? I forgot. Uh, oh, on Etsy, you can check out uh, Glass by Aaron Carty, C A R T E E, um, or two E's. I'm sorry. Um, let's see here. Um, my boy Blake at Oakwood Hotworks on Etsy, Marley Machine Works on Insta, and my boy Adam Tischler Glass on Instagram, uh, all one word. A- Andrew's actually going to be the one coming on. We'll probably talk about glass art when he comes on, but he's also going to be the one we're going to be discussing the bicameral mind. He's been a, a, a guest in the past when we've talked about uh, Rudolf Steiner and that kind of stuff. So... One more person, check out The Dream Lamp, all one word on Instagram for your molecule uh, devices. And that's it. That's all we got here. If you want to support Mindscape, the best way to do it is to click the link tree link down below. And uh, we're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We do a video uh, episodes on Spotify as well. So if you're listening on the audio stuff, please check out our YouTube channel and subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube... Uh, please check out our audio stuff and leave us a nice review. We would really, really appreciate that. And we do have a merch store. I don't really push it too hard, but there's some cool designs in there that I've created over the years. And, oh, huge shout-out to Chris Wolford. Uh, Chris is having a tough time, needs our support. Uh, He's got a Poshmark store set up, so if you're interested uh, in some UFO clothing, go check that out. His... uh, I think it's like at dev grew or something along those lines but you can just chris wolford w-o-l-f uh o-r-d he's also in our documentary you can check him out but he's on twitter and that's it that's all we got thank you to chase thank you to wild man ninja thank you to ambient glass thank you to screen name uh jedi camper jared and that's all we've got thank you so much to matthew roberts and look forward to uh seeing what he does next, and definitely we'll have him back on when Masters of Animals comes out, because I'm looking forward to that. So uh, I am going to play the trailer for our documentary as we leave, and uh, I just want to say we love everybody. Stay safe out there. And uh, actually, Laird Scranton will be on tomorrow during the day, so look for that. Love everybody. Stay safe. Peace. I don't have to believe something's here. There's no question about that. They are not just from this planet, but based on the characteristics they're most often described having, that they're simply us from the future. It was um, the biggest aircraft I've ever seen in my entire life. It was semi-translucent, it seemed. We see four orange orbs flying 
one after another, basically in formation. Um, I think in a way, you know, you could call a UFO a flying dream. Out of the cornfield, that seven foot tall, gray, menacing, communion looking alien or whatever you want to call it. Because it can be multitude of things, of deities, of godlike creatures, of aliens. The reality that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis seems to be this very, very thin slice of, of something far larger and far more complex. As within, so without. From UFOs to DMT, 